We begin today the first epistle of Peter. Uh, a lot like the, the letter to the Hebrews, Peter is writing to believers who are becoming discouraged because of persecution over their faith in Christ. Uh, this letter, as well as the second of Peter, expresses just really rich Christian truth for, for faith and life and encouragement to perseverance. And so I hope we can really encounter some of those truths as we make our way through this letter and the next one. So let's see what we find here in this first chapter of First Peter. The opening verses of this letter are really and truly some of the most majestic in the whole Bible regarding the sovereign work of God in our salvation. Our salvation really and truly is, from beginning to end, a gracious work of God. Peter is writing to these beleaguered Christians and, and reminds them, first and foremost, that they are uh, God's elect. This is like First Peter 1, 1 and 2. God's elect who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So it wasn't merely that they had decided to come to Christ out of their former ways of life. Yes, they did. They they had chosen to follow Jesus, but even at a more deeper level, that God had graciously and mercifully decided that they would come to Christ out of their former ways of life. That's the meaning of elect here. And, and as affirmed by the testimony of Jesus, uh, especially in passages that we've looked at in John, uh, several in John 6. So, in other words, we don't initiate our own salvation, nor can we, because as we've seen elsewhere in Paul's letters, we are spiritually dead in our sins. We, we are by nature both unwilling and unable uh, to, to repent and believe out of our own, um, out of our own wills. That's, that's what you are dead in your trespasses and sins means. And God, knowing this about us, graciously and mercifully chose to bring sinners to himself by his own sovereign power if they would not and could not come apart from him. And the Bible says that God made this decision to save before the beginning of time. It says that, for example, in 2 Timothy 1, 9. And thus in the course of events, when we as sinners repent of our sins and come trusting in Jesus for his salvation, Peter sees that as evidence that God has caused us to be born again as he puts it in, in chapter 1, verse 3. Furthermore, because it was God's decision to save us in eternity past, quite apart from anything good we have done, and because it was God who in time caused us to be born again, as Peter puts it, Peter knows that our salvation forevermore is secure and will never be lost because we at this very moment are, uh, as he puts it in verse 5, by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So from beginning to end, our salvation is a gracious work of God, and it began before he even created the world, and will continue without fail until we see Jesus face to face. But there's one more interesting thing to consider here in these early verses. Notice in verse 2 that Peter says, part of God's work in saving us uh, is through, quote, the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling in his blood, end quote. And you'll recall, as we recently studied Hebrews 9, we made reference to the covenant initiation ceremony in Exodus 24 when God gave the law to the people of Israel through Moses. In Exodus 24, Moses read the law to the people and they confidently declared that they would obey and keep the law. Um, and subsequently, Moses... Um, sprinkled the blood of a sacrificed animal on them 
to signify the deadly curse that would be theirs if they disobeyed and broke the covenant. Here in 1 Peter 1, Peter is saying that Jesus has taken that deadly curse which we deserve upon himself. And now we have been sprinkled uh, with the blood of him who was truly able to say to God the Father, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. He said that in John 17, 4. So Jesus obeyed where we have not, and he took the curse that was to be ours because of our disobedience. We broke the covenant, but he kept it in our place and for our sakes. Well, that's just a beautiful chain of salvation. Chosen before time began, Jesus being sent in the fullness of time, as Paul put it to the Galatians, to fulfill all the obligations necessary to secure our salvation and forgiveness, knowing that we wouldn't meet those obligations ourselves. And then in time, caused by God to be born again so that we would come repenting of our sins and trusting in the saving work of Jesus in our place, and then kept and guarded by God's power in his favor and grace until we see Jesus face to face, First Peter 1, 5. For what could we possibly take credit in our salvation? It is God at every point. He, he didn't merely come to help us. He came to save us. That's really encouraging. Well, the only other point I'd mention in this chapter, though we could spend a, a great deal of time on a number of other items, is that what has always been to me a, sort of an eyebrow-raising phrase about suffering and hardship in verse 6. Peter says in that verse, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Those two words, if necessary, have always sort of stuck out to me. And I'd say two quick things about it here. First, if necessary, teaches me the obvious truth that sometimes it is apparently necessary that I encounter various trials. Why is it necessary? Well, some of the reasons are left to the imponderables of Almighty God, but surely some trials in my life are intended to keep me humble, just as they did in Paul's life, uh, that thorn in the flesh that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 and following, to keep him humble, or to keep me very aware of my own frailty and need, or any number of other good reasons that contribute to my sanctification. Well, the second quick, quick point I'd make is this phrase, if, if necessary, it teaches me that there is someone higher and wiser than I who understands what is necessary for me in order to make me more like Jesus and save me in the end. Our various trials do not come by happenstance, but come from the sovereign and good hand of God. So take heart. In, in time, it will result, as Peter says, in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And as Peter says again in verse 8 and 9, you will obtain the outcome of your faith, and that is your, the salvation of your soul. And those are just a couple of thoughts from 1 Peter chapter 1.